Amen. That's great, man. I am uh, I'm so thankful for those who are praying uh, that would be here or would be in their home churches. And uh, I ran into an old friend this morning. And uh, if you're watching this morning, man, we're thrilled to have you watching. Uh, I've just got to do something. Uh, I started preaching in the early 80s. And uh, one of the first things I did, they always told me if the preach was in you, it's going to come out. And so I ended up having a radio broadcast. And following all those, we learned from those who have gone before us. And uh, hearing J. Vernon McGee and Oliver B. Green, hearing Lester Roloff and many others who are still on the radio even today. I want to get up and begin today uh, like we always did. Hello, everyone out there in Radio Land. Uh, today, I don't know how we would say that. Everyone out in the Internet land, in social media world, man, we're glad you're here. And I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, it has been an interesting past week, but I am so thankful to be back in the house of the Lord. Uh, I want to give you a little tag, a little... Uh, introduction. Uh, I've been asked on several occasions about maybe doing something on Wednesday or Sunday night, starting tonight and be looking for a little, a little advertisement. I recorded something uh, in January in Israel and have never posted it, uh, but I found it yesterday and I think it's very fitting. And we're going to be doing a, a 10-minute Bible study each day this week on one thing I think all of us in one way or, or another is facing, and that is fear. Fear of uh, a disease, fear of the unknown, fear of losing our job, fear of sick family members, fear of all shapes and sizes. And so we're just going to share from God's Word uh, a little 10, 12-minute Bible study each day on how we can overcome fear through the mighty, mighty presence of the Lord. This morning, Palm Sunday, I want you to turn in your Bibles, uh, look over at your children, help them with their Bibles this morning, and uh, as you enjoy your cup of coffee or Diet Coke or Dr. Pepper, I don't know why anyone would drink anything besides those three. Uh, maybe tea in the afternoon. But I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Now, the first three Gospels are called the Synoptics. They basically kind of follow the same pattern, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they, they begin and spend about three-quarters of the book, uh, their letter describing uh, the Lord's ministry here on earth. Most of it is... Uh, encompassing the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did many, many great works. Places like Capernaum and Tiberias and up above in Caesarea Philippi. But, and then the last fourth of the book, it would deal with the triumphal entry and that last week, the resurrection or, or the death, burial, and resurrection. In John's gospel, it is different. 
John looks at it from a complete different view. John's gospel stresses the deity of Jesus Christ. And it spends about one-third of the book on the Lord's earthly ministry and about two-thirds from Palm Sunday forward. And so it goes really deep into that last week and we see what the Lord was doing during those last days before Calvary. Today on Palm Sunday, we look in John's Gospel, chapter 12, at this title. And I think you would all agree. Now, I grew up in the age of uh, black and white cartoons, and I remember when they started becoming uh, uh, produced in color. And one of my favorites, I still really like to watch in black and white, and that is Popeye. And what we find in all of those kinds of stories now, my children and I are big, big MCU fans. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. We like everything. Thor, Iron Man, the Hulk. Uh, we love all of that stuff. But in every superhero story, there are three actors. The villain, the suffering, and the hero. I can remember Popeye, he was a very unlikely hero until he had his dose of spinach. And to this day, that's the only green I will eat. But who needed saving? Well, it always seemed that olive oil, when Bluto would come after her and he wanted her for his girlfriend, and Popeye would eat a can of spinach, make a muscle, and he'd take care of business. We see it throughout all the superhero movies and cartoon, uh, or, or uh, comics. But you know, doesn't that fit our situation today? There are the three. Satan and his weapons of death have unleashed physical, mental, and emotional havoc over the entire world. Now, don't, don't, don't miss this. I want you to understand something. God is still in control. Amen. And just as with Job or with any other situation, Satan can do nothing unless God allows him to. Now, we still have the villain. And Satan seeks to have us that he may sift us as Peter like wheat. He is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. You may get on every day on a web page or watch the news to see what the numbers are that day and just know Satan is running amok across the entire world. All of society is hurting with most lost without God and headed toward destruction. But there is hope. There is a Savior, Amen. and his name is Jesus. May I encourage you today, just three months ago, two and a half months ago, I was walking in to the city of Jerusalem. We had left our bus at the top of the Mount of Olives, and we walked down, casting our eyes upon the old city, that city of peace, as it is described by its name. As we went down, 
and down and down into the Kidron Valley, we found ourselves smack dab in the middle of the Garden of Gethsemane. And all oh, the overwhelming awe and holiness of that place. As Moses, we just needed to take our shoes off because of the holy ground. There where our Lord and Savior would plead before his Father and surrender his all in the sense of saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Knowing what laid ahead. He would go around that valley into Caiaphas' home or house. He would be judged there and taken into Pilate's home or judgment house. He would walk the roads carrying the cross to Golgotha, Skull Hill. And there give up the ghost and be buried in the garden tomb. But on this day, one week before, he came to them. It said in John chapter 12, in verse 12, the next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. And as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now there were certain Greeks among them who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. I want to tell you today, in the midst of such confusion and doubt and worry of what all is going on in the world and how long it will last, can I tell you something? And I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but we have often said uh, things have got to be, be get better. I'm going to tell you, the Bible tells us one day it's not going to get better. It's going to be over. And we don't know. It could be today. If anything, church, we need to wake up to the reality that this world is temporal, but glory is eternal. Amen. That's why we sing about Jesus. That's why we sing of his precious blood. That's why we come to an almost empty building on Palm Sunday and try to present out through the internet because Jesus lives I want to tell you today, if you're watching 
and this whole thing has stirred you in some way that you just feel like you need, you've not been going to church. I've heard that more in the last few weeks. When this is over, I'm coming back to church. And so you're tuned in today. Thank God for you watching. And there's a lot of others that you need to watch that will do much better than I do. But I want you to hear today, you don't need this virus just to be over. You need the hero who will make it happen. You see, we need a hero. And first of all, that hero is not government. Look again with me in this context. It said they spread palm branches and went out to meet him. And they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. You see, even today, they're still looking for their Messiah. They had hoped he would release them from the government that they were under. For many years, think about it. As we are, have been preaching through Nehemiah, as we go all the way back into the Old Testament, I remember there at the end of Genesis when Joseph died. And then we pick up in Exodus. And there we see that Pharaoh who was ruling in the day had forgotten about Joseph, had forgotten what he had done for their country, forgotten how he had rescued them from, fa from famine. Listen, we need a hero, and it's not government. It was not Egypt. Egypt was just a place that God used to provide for Israel for such a time as this. But Egypt turned its back. And we'll know even through all of their plagues, they still wanted to kill Israel. It was not it was not the rulers of this world that saved them. It was God himself that saved them from Egypt. It was Babylon who had taken them exile because of their sin. And make no mistake about it, death, destruction, illness, disease is all a direct reflection on the depravity of mankind. When man sinned, sin cause death and death reigns in our mortal bodies and without the eternal everlasting life of Jesus Christ there is no hope. It's more than the world governments of Egypt, of Babylon, even Babylon, great, great Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar, that great big idol with the fiery furnace with all that went on was conquered by Persia and it was from Persia that Nehemiah left to come and reconstruct those walls. It was there that Zerubbabel and Ezra left to rebuild the temple and reestablish worship there in Jerusalem. But in this day, Rome was the ruling authority. We see all four mentioned through prophecy, don't we? We see the Mede-Persians, we see Babylon, we see the Greeks, and we see Rome. Rome will not save you. And even though it is not a world power, it is a religious power, but I've got news for you. The, the salvation, the one who will be the greatest hero does not reside in some basilica in Rome. He resides at the right hand of the Father. And he is the one we pray to and pray through for that which is 
broken in our lives. It is not Israel. I've been to Israel several times. And oh, the majesty of walking where Jesus has walked to see the beauty of that land truly flowing with milk and honey. But I got news for you. Israel will not save the world. We think of the USA, and I've watched our president's press conferences. I have met on a video conference call with the governor and his staff here in Georgia this week. And I am thankful. I am thankful we have leaders who are doing their best to make things happen. I'm thankful for local governments. I am thankful for those who are operating. Listen, for all the critics out there and all the keyboard cowboys, run for office and see how you do. The pressure is immense that they're facing today. It's written all over their face. Lives hang in the balance. No different than when a president has to order troops into battle knowing There'll be those who lose their lives. But I want you to understand, no matter who sits in the White House, the governor's mansion, or sits behind the dais of the local commission, there is nothing, nothing, nothing they can do for your soul. We need a hero. And our hero is more than just government. It's more than partisan protectors. Man, there's factions everywhere, aren't there? There are, in America, there are Democrats, there are uh, uh, Republicans, there are independents, there are all kinds. If you go back in the history of America, you'll find an unbelievable amount of different parties. You look at Great Britain and all of their factions. Listen, there are creeds, there are colors, there's personal preferences in this world. Jesus didn't come for personal preference. He came to die for the sins of the world. Matter of fact, he tells us throughout Scripture, whether it's in Philippians or whether it's in Colossians or whether it's throughout the Gospels that Jesus came, to die for us, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said that he came to die for him, the chief of all sinners. Listen, it's more than government. Our hero, and now hear me now before you jump to conclusions. Right now, some of the greatest heroes on earth are manning the lines. And I read a thing that was very good that said, no longer is the front line the hospital, they are entrenched. We're the front line to try to prevent these things from happening. But I want you to know our doctors, our nurses, our ambulance drivers, our EMS that are on helicopters and working. We have doctors and nurses who are volunteering and serving through Samaritan's Purse in tent hospitals in New York City. They're real heroes. Real heroes. But I want you to understand, we need a hero that's more than medicine. I had a kidney stone. I've had many kidney stones. But the first one, I literally thought dying would be better than this. And once I arrived at the hospital, 
And I told them what was going on. They took me back and they gave me this big shod pain reliever. And I jerked the curtain open. They said, what's wrong? I said, I'm still hurting. They'd give me another shot. I jerked the curtain open. And it took three rounds of that to ease the pain. I want to tell you, I was so thankful for that nurse that gave me those shots. I was thankful for the doctor that diagnosed me. I was thankful for the prescriptions that they gave and the surgeon who took care of it. I was so thankful. But you know what? Years later, I had to have another one of those surgeries. I've had to have that medicine repetitively. But every time I'm thankful for those doctors and nurses. But I want you to understand the Bible tells us we have a great physician It's more than a temporary fix. Now listen to me. Throughout time and just in our history that we think about, there's been plague, polio, flu, Ebola, SARS, cancer, and now COVID-19. And I want you to understand something about all of this. We've heard a lot about the 1918 Spanish flu, and we've read through world history about the, the plague, we've recently seen Ebola and SARS. I want you to understand the truth. All who survived these deadly ailments still died or one day will. The recovery was temporary. But one day, one day, it is appointed unto man once to die. And then the judgment. Who will be your hero then? Listen, it's more than feeling better. You know, I'm not one of those men who refuses to go to the doctor. If I feel bad and I believe a shot will fix me, hey, give me two. I'm ready. I want to feel better. But it's more than just feeling better. What is going to happen, world, when this thing goes away? Will our attention to God go away with it? Will we return to the beaches and the ball games? Ball, there's nothing wrong with going to the beach. There's nothing wrong with going to see a Braves game. There's something wrong when you put it before the one who saved you or can save you. Listen, he healed them and fed them. And you know what they did in return? They tried to throw him off a cliff. He served them and taught them. You know what they did? They tried to stone him and he slipped out of their midst. He literally came in and those who were possessed with a demon and those who were ravaged by the things of this world, he changed them. And they accused Jesus of being a devil. You see, it's more than a feeling. It's more than medicine. It's not empty religion. Look at verse 19. It says, The Pharisees said among themselves, You see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. You see, boy, I'm going to tell you, the world's full of prognosticators right now in religion. But you've got to understand Following the Savior is more than following a set of rules. If you want to do that, there's 613 Old Testament laws you can follow. 
Yes, the Ten Commandments are important, and we need them in our courthouse, and we need them in our schoolhouse, and we need them in our personal house. But if they're not in our heart and wrote on the lids of our eyes, then it means nothing. It's ceremonial. It's more than a set of rules. I want to ask you something today. Sitting there with your family, sitting at the coffee kitchen table with your coffee, I want to ask you this honest question, and I want you to ask yourself and those here today, are you reading the Bible? If you are, great. Now, do you truly believe it? I had an old evangelist mentor of mine said, you only believe as much of it as you practice. That's very convicting to me. Do we truly believe in the inerrant, infallible? You know, there's things, I've, I've done papers, I've done, I wrote letters, and I run them through spell check. I, I have other eyes look at them, and it is done completely right. It is without error when it comes to Arabian and all the way the format that it needs to be written. Everything is indented. Everything is tabbed over. There's two spaces before the next sentence. Every paragraph has no more than four sentences in it. Everything's done right with its footnotes and its header. Everything is done right. It is without error. But my word's not infallible. You see, the difference, as he said by many infallible proofs, is God's word is not just inerrant, without error, but infallible in the fact that it never can be or could be filled with errors because God is perfect. Are you reading the Bible and do you truly believe it? Are you praying? Are you praying today? I hear people, I'm praying. I'm praying for you and I thank God. One thing this has done for me is I... Pastors are talking more. Preachers are talking more. We've slowed down and we're texting and we're calling and we're encouraging. And I thank God for my pastor friends who are encouraging me. And I hope I'm encouraging others. Are we praying for one another? But here's the question, who are you praying to? Are you just giving some words or do you know who you're praying to? Do you know him personally? Is your heart right with him? For he tells us, Psalm 66, that if we regard iniquity in our heart, God will not hear us. You see, it's more than a set of rules. It's more than a school of thought. There are many views on how and why this virus has shut down the world. First of all, there's the atheistic view, the origin of species as we're taught. That Darwinian evolution that would simply tell us that COVID-19, the plague, whatever it may be, is simply natural causes to bring about the fact that the strong must survive. It cares not for those who are in the senior center. It cares not for those who are elderly. It does not care for those who are weak with underlying conditions. My friends, I'm going to tell you, our God's bigger than that. God went to the lepers and to the woman with an issue of blood. He went to the woman and the man who had sick children. He cared. There are the fatalists that th says, well, things just happen. Nothing you can do about it. There ain't nobody to pray to. It's just the way it is. Roll on. Which leads to a whole idea of hedonism. Just live it up. 
for this is all there is. And then there's the religionist. You want to know what their view is? Pick one. Pick one. What denomination or what part of the world? The religionist is crying all kinds of things. Usually it involves blaming someone else. It's their fault. The Pharisees blame the Sadducees. And the Sadducees blame the Pharisees. And there was always a crowd that blamed them all. I want you to hear me today. As we think of Palm Sunday, them waving the palm branches and laying them down. And they cried Hosanna. You know what Hosanna means? Oh, save. It's an exclamation of adoration. Oh, save. So what are they saying? Oh, save Israel. You see, those who cried Hosanna would disappear a week later. For as we see Jesus hanging on a cross, it was just those ladies, his mother and John. Some of this same crowd who cried Hosanna could be heard days later crying crucify him with the same mouth. What will this look like in a month, three months? What if God is extending the end of this based on our attention on him? Based on your relationship with him? You see, the real hero is Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It will only be Jesus. He said in verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks who came to worship. And when they came, they said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. You see, Jesus is not just a politician of this world. He is king of kings. He had not come to remove Rome, but to remove sin by his precious blood. He did not come riding on a white stallion with a gold bedazzled chariot. He came riding on a donkey to show them he was no threat to their earthly kingdom. He did not come to rule from Jerusalem, but rule from heaven. He will come again and rule this earth. Jesus is the great physician. He made the blind to see, the crippled to walk, the diseased to be whole, and even the dead to live. Our hero is the great physician who empowers all the other physicians who are helping us today. But finally, he is our Lord and our Savior. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1 that Jesus has the preeminence over all things. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. You see, our Lord and Savior was virgin born, lived a sinless life, died a vicarious death, and praise God, we see the glorious resurrection of the empty tomb. May we not wait till next week to worship a risen Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, as we conclude this morning, I want you to think about something. John, as we said earlier, wrote to show us and declare through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the deity of Christ. 
God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He came. He came to this world. But seven times Jesus declares Himself through the Gospel of John. And the seven I am's in chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the bread of manna in the wilderness and they died. Listen today, all those who are watching, we may overcome this COVID-19, but I want you to understand the only thing that will overcome the sickness of your soul is the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. Are you living in darkness today? Does it seem like you can't see next minute, much less the next day? You can't see how you're going to make ends meet. You can't see how your family's going to work through all of this. Listen, Jesus said in chapter 8, verse 12, in chapter 9, verse 5, I am the light of the world. Light always trumps darkness. Do you feel trapped today? You feel like there's no way out. There's no way out of the problems and the insurmountable uh, depression and despondency you're facing. Jesus said in chapter 10, verse 7 and 9, I am the door. Jesus will open to you fields of glory you never imagined you could run through. Do you feel like you've just lost your way? He said, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 10, verse 11 and 14. Do you feel like there's no hope? As we look at those numbers every day, the percentages and the graphs and the charts, and we keep praying for it to top out, and we keep hearing them move that date, and it seems like all around us, all we hear about is death and destruction. I want to remind you from, uh, from John chapter 11 that a precious friend of Jesus came and said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She said, I know we'll see him in the resurrection. Jesus told her and is telling us today, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, he says, I'm the way. Which way are you going today? The way of politicians, the way of earthly medicine, the way of your religion and what you think will fix things? Are you willing to trust the one who empowers the earthly doctors and nurses, the ones who protect them, the ones who raises and puts down earthly governments, the one who true religion is all about, the way, the truth that there is no lie and the life. And finally he said, I am the true vine. And me, all branches can give fruit. Let me ask you today, do you want to see Jesus? We always discuss, my children and I, when we talk about all the marvels, we always say, who's your favorite? And others will say, who's your favorite? Well, my personal favorite, and I'm not looking for discussion, so don't even put it. Y'all can choose to be wrong if it's not the same one that I have. My favorite's Iron Man. We talk about the strongest of them all. And truly, the strongest is probably Captain Marvel. And when many have their likes and dislikes of each one. 
And we look at, yeah, but they've got this power. Yeah, but she has this power. This comes from plasma and this comes from vibranium and this has all of this. I want to tell you what Paul told the church at Philippi in chapter 2 about our hero. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, listen to me today, every Every, every person at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you want to see Jesus? I'm talking about really, really, really see Jesus. Then I want to encourage you today. Turn to the Gospel of John. You're looking for things to read, man. We're looking for things to do. We're reading, putting together puzzles, and I mean, we're reading the back of cereal boxes. I mean, you know, this quarantine's got the best of us. I want you to open your Bible today. This is the Lord's day. Now listen, you're not going to be going to a lot of places. I want you to sit, and then it won't take you that long. I want you to just open John. I want you to read the Gospel of John. I've already given you John 1.1. 1, 1. You can start in verse 2 if you want to. Just read the Gospel of John. And when you're done, I want, to ask you, I want you to ask yourself, do I know this Jesus? Do I know the Word? Do I know the door? Do I know the life that is Jesus Christ? If not, here's what you've got to realize. He's your only hope. When the whole world seems to be completely collapsing on itself, Jesus is the answer. Amen. So today, I want us to bow our heads and I want us to close our eyes. Now I'm not big. Listen, you can't repeat my words and be saved. What you've got to do is believe it in your heart and tell Jesus yourself. And you do so by confessing your sins. Lord, I need your help. I can do nothing without you. At, every, at his name, every knee. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. I'm saved, but this is, this is the kind of prayer you need to pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you sent Jesus to die for mankind. You, he died for my sin. Jesus, you died for me. Lord, there's never been a time. Lord, I've read the Bible. I've said I've prayed. I've tried to be good, but good is not good enough. And I confess right now that I'm a sinner. And without you, I have no hero. I will die and go to hell. Jesus, you died for me, and I ask you to forgive me, to come into my life, to cleanse me, and to save me. Lord, I believe it. I believe who you are, and I believe that you'll save me, and that you've never lied, and you 
told us that if we believe it and we confess you, that we shall be saved. Father, I pray that you'd change lives even this morning. Lord, many are looking for a temporal Savior. May we see the eternal God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless all that has watched this morning, those who are here, those who have sung, uh, pastors all around the world doing this exact same thing. I pray the gospel would overwhelm us in truth and justice, changing our lives by the unchangeless Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that we have a hero. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. In his name we pray. Amen. If you prayed, you have prayed to receive Christ, you have prayed and said, I've got a burden on my heart I need God to take care of, there's a commitment form on our site. You've heard our church phone number, 912-739-2055. You can call, leave a message, we'll call you back. Go online, fill out that communication form. Somebody will reach out and contact you, pray with you. Whatever you need to do, don't put it off today, I pray. May God bless you. May God bless our country and bless our world. We're praying with you for the future. Have a great day. Remember to watch tonight at 7 o'clock for a little Bible study on fear should not be a factor. May God bless you is our prayer today.